and we have to really escalate the noise we make so that we'll be heard. I'm Andy Hum. And I'm Marin Johns. Hi, Marin. Uh, it's good to see you. We're going to be together for the next couple of weeks, yes? Okay. Yes, You're- it's good to be back. Okay. Uh, and it's been a horrible news week in the world. You, you know what's happened in Turkey and in Syria and in Michigan and things, but we're here to talk about the LGBTQ and AIDS news of the week. Uh, starting with the fact that the new White House Director of Communications is an out gay man. And uh, speaking of another out gay man, we've got George Santos. He's in trouble again. We've got some out Congress members who are introducing a resolution to expel him from the House amid still more evidence of fraudulent uh, activity. Uh, speaking of frauds, Ron DeSantis uh, was labeled a groomer by Trump as the Florida uh, governor is brushed back a little on two of his hate-fueled campaigns. And Iowa and South Dakota move anti-LGBTQ bills, but Michigan's legislature advances LGBTQ rights. Good. Uh, a, in, in Brooklyn, a 19-year-old gay man was gunned down, and his mother believes it was a hate crime. And we have a couple of uh, tragic losses this week. Uh, the passings of a leading gay publicist and a leading lesbian couple who led the fight for women with HIV AIDS. Yes. Uh, the current Prime Minister of Australia will be the first to march in the Sydney Gay and Lesbian Mardi Gras. That's next week, yes? Yes, yes, well pride, actually. And uh, the Church of England has voted to bless, but not marry, same-sex couples, and LGBTQ activists are calling it an insult. And the High Court in increasingly fascist Hungary uh, blocks the new applications from transgender people seeking gender recognition. That's not very nice, but, you know, we we start off, it was also, besides all the bad news in the week, it was Super Bowl uh, weekend. Um, and right. uh and uh, it was very heartening to see uh, Brittany and Sherelle Greiner, we have a picture of them, make a rare public appearance. And there it was at the Super Bowl, no less. Just nice to see them there. I have and to say, the- Brittany looks so well. She just looks good. I mean, when we saw her before in the prison in, in Russia, she just looked so bereft and, and not quite well. But that she looks terrific. And she's got a new do and uh, new glasses, and I must say, she looks like she's thriving since she got back. She must have a lot of inner strength to get through that ordeal. She was there for like almost a year, right? Yeah. All right. Uh, By the way, those those, those Jesus ads that were during the Super Bowl, he gets us. Did you see? Did you see it at all? They kept running these ads. I heard heard about them. Yeah, I heard about them. Really targeting kids, or or from from the point of view of kids, and there's millions and millions of dollars. Right. It's funded by a dark money group called the Signatory, that is funded by things like Hobby Lobby and others that also fund 
the anti-LGBTQ work of Alliance Defending Freedom, the anti-LGBTQ legal group that works against reproductive rights, uh, all part of a white Christian nationalist movement uh, that owns the U.S. Supreme Court at this point. So very sad. And but that's but they were selling Jesus with spending millions of dollars uh, on these ads uh, to yes. rope people in. All right. Next, uh, let's talk about what's going on at the White House. Uh, the Obama veteran Ben Ben Labolt. Yeah. Uh, President Biden's new communications director is an out gay man, Ben LaBolt. He is a former advisor to President Obama, and he's worked for the Biden transition team and on the campaign to confirm Ketanji Brown-Jackson to the U.S. Supreme Court. Now, he replaces Kate Bedingfield, who is uh, leaving to work on Biden's reelection campaign. Um, now, he's the first out gay person in the job. Uh, Biden's press secretary, as we all know, is an out lesbian, Corrine Jean-Pierre. Uh, LeBolt was on, he was Obama's press secretary for the 2008 campaign. And during that campaign, he told, he told, he said to Obama, you know, uh, I'm gay. And Obama said, you've got game? <laughs> in other words, he uh, misheard That's him, right. maybe, whatever. Uh, in the private sector, he has worked for the uh, philanthropies of Mark Zuckerberg's uh, Facebook and Michael Bloomberg and advise such uh, behemoths as Uber, Google, and Airbnb. So I guess he can afford to take a private sector job. He must have cleaned up on those accounts. Right. Okay. So Andy, what do we make of this? What, but I want your analysis on this because now we've got really like, this must be the first time in history that we have two key communications roles in the White House both LGBTQ people. Is it is it coincidental or is it strategy? As as people know from watching this program, we're very good at communications. <laughs> no, I mean, <laughs> I, I don't know if it's I don't know if it's a business that disproportionately attracts uh, LGBTQ people. Obviously not, because these are the first two open ones. Um, but it's not. It's certainly not a liability in the uh, in the Democratic Party. And look, they're they're. Mm -hmm people who work for the Republican Party as well. Yeah. Right. Uh, what do you think? I think it's. I think it would be naive to think it's not partly strategic. And I think that there is a certain, uh, the LGBTQ activist movement has had to be so media aware just to have a presence and just to be heard. So I think it's probably just a really smart move from the president. Right. Okay. Well, some LGBTQ and civil liberties groups don't think the administration and both parties, by the way, are not making a good move with, with what's called the Kids Online Safety Act. It's a bipartisan bill meant to protect kids, minors online. Now, but it leaves the implementation to the states. And the worry is that the Republican-led states will use it to clamp down on content for LGBTQ youth and invade their privacy. So Equality California wants older minors to be able to access gender-affirming care, sexual health, connecting with just connecting with other LGBTQ youth. Uh, and it's supported, of course, by the Heritage Foundation. That, so there's enough said there. And look, we, of course, we want children protected, but uh, we don't want LGBTQ youth to be isolated. Yeah. Right. And wouldn't it be terribly ironic if something like 
you know, Spirit Day, which is an online initiative against bullying, got blocked by, by these filters, uh, by an on, online safety algorithm. Uh, so it's, it's a little disturbing, yes. I imagine it's already blocked in Florida. But uh, how about what's going on in California? How about Senator Dianne Feinstein, 89, saying she won't run for re-election? Uh, Equality California praised her support for LGBTQ rights back to her days as a supervisor alongside Harvey Milk in the late 70s. Now, that's true. She voted for the gay rights bill when she was a supervisor. But then she becomes mayor when Moscone, Mayor Moscone, was killed along with Harvey Milk. And one of the things she did as mayor was veto the domestic partners bill because the archdiocese Catholic told her to. So that she wasn't always been there for us. She's had a good right. voting record in the Senate, uh, but I'm, I guess I would say I'm, I'd hardly call her a leader and I'm glad that she's uh, uh, willing to make room for uh, a new generation of Americans. I think so, 89, that's a good innings as we say in Australia. Is that what they say? Yeah, it's a cricket term. <laughs> yeah, it's a good age. Yeah, a good innings. It means you've been you've been in you've been in batting for long enough. It's uh, okay if you quit now. Oh, good. That, that, that's oh, I'll have to see if I can incorporate <laughs> that. No one will know. What I'm talking about. Now uh, we've we've mentioned this before, because, but it's coming up on April tenth, and it's actually the voting has already started in Wisconsin. They're voting to elect a, a, a member of their Supreme Court. And this will change the balance of the court to either conservative or liberal. So critical in Wisconsin, where you've got a Republican mm-hmm. legislature, Democratic governor, and you need a court to step in sometimes one way or the other. Um, so that voting is going on right now. And I was very encouraged to hear that uh, there's a lot of infighting going on among the Republicans about who's going to be their nominee. So that could kill their chances. Right. Infighting. All right, let's move on to uh, uh, the Santos news of the week. Oh, boy, uh, finally. Finally, people are formalizing to expel this guy. Uh, there's a group of them, isn't there, Andy? Yes. Uh, uh, one of the new out uh, gay Democratic Congress members, Robert Garcia of Long Beach, California, we have a picture of him with Mr. Santos. That's Mr. Garcia there on the left, Mr. Santos on the right, appropriately. And uh, he introduced this resolution. He was joined by, we have another picture of the press conference, by the new out representative Becca Ballant of Vermont, uh, out representative Richie mm-hmm. Torres. There's, I think, Dan Goldman, who's not gay uh, that I know of there in the background. He's been working on this to get Santos out. And, uh, uh, you know, I guess Santos hasn't joined the Equality Caucus, which is not just gay people in the Congress. It's, it's others who support LGBTQ rights. Um, and he, by the way, when he, Santos was confronted with this resolution, he said, I don't even know who, who Garcia is. <laughs> he obviously doesn't pay attention to what's going on in the gay no. world, you know, other than for his own selfish no. purpose. Uh, Garcia had been right, the out right. mayor of Long Beach uh, while Santos was running phony charities and funding uh, fraudulent financial reports. Um, Garcia tweeted, I'll just read this. When you lie about the Pulse Massacre, 9-11, the Holocaust, your career, and you defraud people and the voters, you don't deserve classified clearance to be in the Congress. 
And of course, we learned this week he got many donations far in excess of what he's allowed to get. I mean, what is taking so long with getting rid of this guy? Uh, and why are the Republicans exactly? It's it's it surprises me that it's taken this long, and that that uh, Becca Balin's actually had to uh, get citizens to sign on to co-sign with her. Uh, but at least it's something. I hope it works. Yeah. This week, accused of writing $15,000 in bad checks in 2017 to private dog breeders in Amish country in Pennsylvania. He was charged with theft, somehow got the charges dropped by lying to the prosecutors. And the New York Times found $365,000, not small change, in campaign funds that were unaccounted for. But he's getting some competition in the fraud department in Congress, right? Do you want to talk about this woman or do, you, do, you, do I need to go? Oh, I mean, I, I know that she's I not gay, obviously, but look, she, she... Anna Paulina Luna. Anna Paulina Luna. Yes. She was now, her, her, uh, her guilt is that she, she claims to be uh, Jewish or claims to have had Jewish heritage and none of her family even understands what she's talking about. Well, and she also didn't I didn't publicly identify as Latina uh, before this. She used to support Obama. Now she's MAGA. Uh, she used to describe herself as Middle Eastern Jewish or Eastern European, but uh, went with Luna for political reasons. She claimed she was a victim of a home invasion that didn't happen. She claimed to have little uh, extended family, but her cousin says we always include her in family gatherings. And she said her grandma died of AIDS and heroin use as did her grandma's husband and brothers, and her mom is backing her up on that one. So anyway, uh, it's, you know, it's politics and a lot of lies. And then poor Angie Craig of Minnesota. Uh, well, not exactly poor Angie Craig. She's an out lesbian uh, U.S. Congress member from Minnesota, right? T talk about what happened to yes. her. Well, I mean, I feel for her because she was coming back from her to her apartment in D.C. early in the morning around 7 a.m. and she noticed a strange man uh, acting oddly in the lobby. She gets into the elevator of her building and he follows her in. Now, for a woman, this is actually quite terrifying. It is one of my worst fears that I'm going to be followed home and, and trapped in a small space where I live. Uh, but she is carrying a cup of coffee and he, he starts to assault her. It's about quarter past seven in the morning and he's uh, choking her and punching her. So she throws her hot coffee in, in his face as a way to get away from him. Um, but, but this is just terrifying. It, it wasn't politically motivated, apparently. Uh, but there is an investigation and he has been apprehended. 26-year-old man. Kendrick Hamlin, 26, uh, charged with assault. Uh, so, yes, but she was quite brave uh, fighting him off. All right, let's go to Florida. I think uh, the big news about uh, uh, DeSantis this week is that he's been labeled by Trump as a groomer of teenage girls when he taught high school and drank with them. Yeah. Uh, you know, DeSantis, yeah, that's the photo. It's all, all photo of him with these. I think they've got their. He's got his arms around these young girls, and somebody's holding a beer. I think he's holding a beer. But uh, Trump posted this picture on Truth Social. I have seen that photo before, um, and this is why Trump's calling him a groomer. It's another example. Groomer, of, is, uh, groomer is the favorite the word of the DeSantis administration. 
You know, I mean, they call everybody a groomer if they don't back them up on banning everything gay. You're a groomer. That's his press secretary says that about, oh, if you don't support the don't say gay bill, you're a groomer. So now he's being called a groomer. This is called hoist on your own petard. Um, Of course, Trump Mm. for multiple rapes, sexual harassment and hanging out in the Miss Teen USA uh, pageant, which he owned in the dressing room with the girls while they were getting ready. Uh, so, uh, but DeSantis did not fire back. He just said he doesn't spend his time attacking other Republicans. Well, hello, that's all Trump does. Uh, so it, it's sort of Godzilla versus King Kong now, and the fight is on. But <laughs> yeah. DeSantis, was, DeSantis was brushed back a little on a, some of his big campaigns. You know, he's going to totally get, you know, punish Disney, right, and take away their status mm-hmm. and all that. Well, he does get to a point mm-hmm. of five member board to run it, but he's had to back up on the, on the taxes. He's letting them keep all their tax benefits because otherwise the people of Florida would have to pick up all that tax debt. So he's backed up on that stuff. And ultimately, he's not punishing that that much. Uh, and um, yeah. he, and there was also that thing where he was going to require girls to report their menstrual cycles. Did you read about this? Yes, it's that's right. If you said you're a girl, you have to yeah, they're not going to do that now. Yeah, I guess that right. didn't go well. Anyway, I mean, it's it's also un, it's incredibly unwieldy. It's unpractical. It's un, it's it's really impractical to take away the perks from Disney when they're such a flagship attraction for the whole state of Florida. I mean, you'd you'd, you'd have to ask the tourism people uh, what they think of this, but it, it just seems to me a, a stupid move. And also keeping. Keep, I mean, when I used to menstruate, I could barely keep my 28-day cycle in check. So how uh, Ronnie Sanders thinks he's going to uh, monitor the, the menstrual cycles of every uh, woman with a uterus that's uh, operating uh, in the state is really incredible to me. Right. Anyway. Uh, okay. Um, but, by the way, they thought they were doing that to go after people who might be having abortions and things like that and uh, et cetera. All right. In in Montana, oh. they've advanced legislation to allow healthcare workers and insurance companies to refrain from participating in cases in which th- that they morally object to, like abortions or gender affirming care. And they also held a hearing on banning the teaching of scientific theories in schools. The idiot sponsor of this bill. Uh, doesn't understand that you know, he says that theories aren't facts. But that's not the way the term is used scientifically. Uh, so it's they're not just after evolution, but cell theory, theory of gravity, uh, you know, valence bond mm-hmm. theory. You, you know, uh, it, it could mm-hmm. go back. Uh, it's it could go by the wayside. This is a state determined to return to the, I guess, the 19th century or something. Keep people poor, stupid, pregnant, and sick. It's awful. I mean, the, the know nothingness of it. And let's talk about some of the other states. South Dakota. They, um, now, let me just. Uh, yes. Well, they banned gender affirming care for minors and uh, they join uh, Alabama and Arkansas, which did that in the past. Now, in Alabama and Arkansas, they, you know, they got court orders saying you can't enforce this. So I don't know what's going to happen in South Dakota. Uh, but they have banned uh, gender affirming care there, and in. But can we just I, like to drill down a little bit that what 
and the gender affirming care, that just means any kind of care. It doesn't mean there's, there's a misconception out there that this is somehow surgery, but this is, this is any kind of care from counseling right. to puberty blockers. Right. Right. And Iowa's going further, the, uh, going further than DeSantis. The Senate Education Committee recommended a bill banning sexual orientation and gender identity topics through the eighth grade, not through the third grade, through the eighth grade. The sponsor said that these topics should only be taught at home. <laughs> Teach them at home. Oh, right. My parents gave me great lessons on sexual orientation and gender identity when I was a kid. Uh, I didn't talk about it. I didn't yeah. talk to my parents about it until I got out of college and I'd already been president of the Gay Student Union at the University of Virginia. It's kind of cowardly of me to wait, but I, I did. And I, that's when I talked to them in 1975. And they were, very, they were pretty good, very good, actually. Uh, but anyway, in, in Iowa, schools will be subject to fines between ten dollars and $50,000 if they violate this. Uh, and the Republican governor, Kim Reynolds, spoke at a rally of Moms for Liberty, the right-wing group that is pushing the bill. All right. And if you want to see how just awful these these things are, you know, they're having a hearing. They had a hearing in Arkansas, which has already passed a lot of anti-gay bills. This one was to allow a, mi uh, to allow a minor receiving any gender transition procedure to later sue the doctor for providing the care. But then we have footage here, hold it a second, of Republican Senator Matt McKee talking to a witness who was transgender. You said that you're a trans woman. I trans female, yes, ma'am, sir. Do you have a penis? That's horrible. You're the one, you're the one that brought that into the discussion. Do you have a penis? This is where the this is where you have sunk. That was shocking, just shocking. But we'll get more on penises later when we talk about what's going on. Not appropriate. Yeah, it's just it was it, it's really frightening. Uh, all the uh, all the filters are down. And but can we give them some good news? Michigan. Yes. Oh, Michigan. You, 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 yeah, you go with Michigan. I'll go with California. <laughs> okay. Michigan, the Senate, moved the LGBTQ rights bill out of committee. Don't forget, Democrats took over both houses of the legislature, and they have Governor Gretchen Whitman out there. Uh, so this bill covers uh, sexual orientation and gender identity. The Michigan Catholic Conference is trying to amend it with a poison pill expanding religious exemptions, but that appears to be failing at the moment. Okay, California. Right. Uh, yeah, and California is advancing a bill to repeal the constitutional amendment banning same-sex marriage. Uh, they want to enshrine marriage equality in the state's constitution, and that effort comes 15 years after the voter-approved Proposition 8. We all know about that. It banned the state from recognising same-sex marriages. Um, so... Uh, Gavin Newsom uh, did issue a statement about this saying same-sex marriage is the law of the land and Prop 8 has no place in our constitution. It's time that our laws affirm marriage equality regardless of who you are and who you love. And, and again, this is an example of California hopefully leading the way uh, in terms of the states. Yeah. yeah, my roommate worked on that campaign in 2008 and it was shocking to lose it, but we lost it big back in 2008. 
Yeah. It was the same year that Obama was yeah. elected president. For the, you know, we elected a black president and we banned same-sex marriage in California. Now, all of that was overturned by the courts, uh, but you've got to get it out of the Constitution in case uh, Clarence Thomas That's and it. his other friends on the Supreme Court try to reinstate all those things. And other states, you've got to get busy on this. They did it in Nevada. They've do, they're doing it in other states. Um, you know, uh, and also there was a there was a celebration this week in Hawaii. Can you believe it's been 30 years since the high court yeah. of Hawaii uh, legalized same-sex marriage? It actually didn't go into effect. They just won the case. That's right. The state, the state legislature immediately moved to say, get a constitutional amendment that the, that the legislature could regulate marriage. And if they don't want gay, they don't have to have gay. And that's what they did. Uh, but it's it, it still was right. Now, of course, that breakthrough is what led to the Defense of Marriage Act in 1996. You know, uh, the Congress passing that and banning, you know, basically banning federal recognition and allowing the states not to recognize it. And ultimately, Hawaii didn't even do it. But that was a breakthrough. Uh, Dan Foley w- was the counsel with Evan Wolfson. He's now a judge, uh, Evan Wolfson from Lambda. And they re- they just represented three same-sex couples. This was not a big movement thing. This is three same-sex couples coming yeah. forward and saying, we want to get married. And they got representation and they won for a minute anyway. It started a process that took too long, but ultimately leaned toward justice, how Speaker Scott Sakey said in a news release. Uh, but it's true. It's like uh, you, you might not get the immediate results, but this is what activism does. Uh, you start a process and yes. others can carry it on. Yes. I was also encouraged by what happened in Ohio uh, with the, the, remember Mm. we told you about high school, Cardinal High School. They banned a production of William Finn's musical, the 25th annual Putnam County Spelling Bee, because they thought it had vulgarities and gay stuff and things like that. Well, they've reversed themselves. Yes, yes. The decision decision came after several weeks. Yes, Yes. you had to make some cuts. Well, these cuts apparently are approved by the author. We don't know exactly what they are. Uh, some of it has to, might have to do with bad words and things. But during, during the interim, when this thing was banned, Jesse Tyler Ferguson, who was in the original Broadway production, he and all the past members of the cast of 25th Annual Putnam County School, they got on a Zoom call with the kids from you know Ohio and gave them all the encouragement in the world and support. So that's going to happen. Anyway. Yeah. All right. Uh, Missouri. Well, you know, there was this article that this woman, uh, Jamie Reed, a former uh, uh, case manager at a clinic for transgender kids, and she's, she calls herself a queer woman herself, she wrote an article attacking the clinic. So the, and saying, you know, I'm not anti, but well, whatever. She wrote this thing and it's caused a lot of fuss. So the Republican attorney general has called for a halt to uh, any kind of drug treatments there for trans youth at the pediatric care center in St. Louis. And that fight goes on. This is really rough on these kids. It's just a pause, though. It's a pause uh, to give out puberty blockers and hormones to new patients. Uh, I don't know what's going to happen with it, though. Um, But there is uh, an investigation pending. Um, well, but look, it's, it's all... not a good sign, is it? Listen, no. If they can do it, everyone can do it. So, all right, let's go to some other news in New York. 
you know, we've been telling you about these people who are being drugged or robbed coming out of gay bars and non-gay clubs as well. So outstate Senator Brad Hoylman Siegel is urging Chase Manhattan Bank to bolster their protections against fraud and uh, reimburse the victims of these robberies. You know, you leave the club, they grab your phone, they put it up to your face, they get facial recognition, they take $5,000 out and, you know, you, you know, you're recovering what's going on and it's gone. It's just gone. One of them, I think, lost $25,000. So uh, I, I was going to say it being a lot much higher, and you, you would think that that would come up, that would be flagged by the credit card companies as a regular activity, especially at that time of night. So right. exactly. Uh, yeah. I had, you know, I had a friend who was robbed at a store of her credit card and they immediately went to a high end store, tried to use her credit card. She never buys high end stuff and they blocked it, uh, cause it mm. wasn't her. Uh, the thieves, uh, uh, um, oh, the, the senator is also encouraging banks to use two factor authentication for large transfers, uh, as well. Mm -hmm. Uh, all right. And so, You've got to start taking safety things. Turn off your facial ID when you go out and you're drinking. Seriously, turn it off. Uh, obviously, watch your drink. Don't accept a drink that you don't know exactly where. Watch the bartender make your drink. Hey, it's awful, but these are the kinds of things people have to do for their own safety. Yeah. All right, yeah. here's a tough story. We've told you about that. Remember that controversy in Los Angeles about the trans woman who went into Absolutely. the spa. Mm -hmm. uh, this mm -hmm. is actually over, I think it's, it's last year. Um, and now is being charged with indecent exposure. Uh, and the judges ruled that the trial can go forward. This is in Los Angeles. Now, mm. one witness testified that the sight of this person, Beegers, uh, penis was unnerving. One parent said it was erect. And that is the basis on which indecent exposure should go for, but other witnesses said it was not a wreck. So meager question why women in, uh, in the spa aren't uh, deemed to be indecently exposed when they're naked, you know? And, uh, but the accusations versus meager led to huge protests outside the spa, sometimes marked by violence. So this is a, this is a, a gnarly one. Mm. I mean, look, it's a gnarly one, even if you're a frequent spa goer, because the rules change in different settings. And uh, I always feel you've got to obey the rules of the house if you are using any kind of public facility at all. But I don't think the rules here are clear. I think it's, there's, there's a lot of assumption around what a woman is. And uh, the three witnesses, I think a couple of the girls were even underage. So then it's like, are we talking about women now or are we talking about girls? Because it seemed to me the concern was there was a person with a penis around girls. So I think everyone has to look at the rules and what they're – because I've been to spas that are unisex. And I've seen men wandering in and out or people that identify as whatever, wandering in and out. It, it's all about what you expect when you go to use the facilities. Exactly. Everybody needs to know the rules. Uh, but this is a you, don't, you do need to know the rules, I think, just out of a courtesy of sharing a public yeah. space. But I they're think not. you do need to be clear on the rules. But this person is claiming innocence. They're saying, I was just walking around being comfortable because everyone, the other women were being comfortable. So, Right. 
Well, look, I mean, I'm going to talk about, the, I mentioned the Avedon exhibit, the murals that he did back in 1968. And one of them was of the Andy Warhol factory. And I went there this weekend and we can't show you this the picture on this show, but it's got two gorgeous young gay guys, completely naked. I don't know if they're gay or not. Oh, and Candy Darling also is frontally nude uh, with a penis. Uh, Candy Darling, a trans uh, member of the factory. Now, I have these are murals in a photo exhibit in the Metropolitan Museum. And there's no sign up saying, you know, don't come in if you're a kid or anything. Uh, watch out. It might be triggering. And, you know, obviously people take a good look at those nudes. And I did see a mother taking her child through through the exhibit, kind of nervously laughing and shielding her eyes from, you know, this. And of course, it, it can be triggering for people to come pardon the expression, come upon, you know, an unexpected big uh, nude thing. But in, a mu in an art museum, of course, you see a lot of nudity. I posted a, a, a video of it on Facebook and it was taken down by Facebook. On the other hand, if I'd showed Jesus Christ on the cross who's naked getting crucified, they probably wouldn't have done anything. You know, it's, it's different when it comes to art. Anyway, uh, all right. Staten Island, the St. Patrick's Day parade out there is the holdout is keeping LGBTQ groups uh, out. They're still doing it. Uh, you know, they came in to apply again, the gay groups, and the guy said, you run a homosexual organization. Get out. We're allowed in the Fifth yeah. Avenue parade. We have been for five years. I'll be there on March 17th. And, of course, we've got the St. Pat's for All in Queens uh, in uh, March the 5th. By the way, as I've said on the show, Danny Drum, the out gay council member, former council member, he's now the chief financial officer of the Fifth Avenue St. Patrick's Parade. Day parade, which we were kept out of for 25 years. Right. And Reclaim Pride is coming up. Of course, it's in June. Yay! This is our, our colleague, Ann Northrup, who will be back in a couple of weeks. They're having a community town hall Saturday, February 25th from 6.30 to 8.30 p.m. at the LGBT Community Center. Virtual attendance is possible. So uh, you mm. can... Uh, through uh, Reclaim Pride Coalition's social media and YouTube channels, go to reclaimprideNYC.org and help plan the 2023 Queer Liberation March, which is a lot of fun. And run it just out as an, a lot of fun, but important this year. It's this this year. It's not just about we don't like the corporatization of pride or anything like that. This year, it's about uh, addressing the continued attacks on our bodily autonomy on our healthcare access, on legal protections and freedom of expression. And this can all be bundled into a very purposeful Pride March this year that is not corporate. So please do attend and please do consider attending. It's very intersectional, something that is not allowed in Florida. They're probably going to start taking traffic lights out of intersections because they don't like intersectionality. I mean, it's gotten quite absurd. <laughs> All right. Um, uh, by the way, we're going to talk about some people we lost before we get to the ones who passed away this week. My uh, obituary on Dr. Charles Silverstein is now up at GayCityNews.com. And I will link to that in our email. And if you want to be on our email list, go to GayUSATV.org and you can sign up. But there's also this article by Dr. Silverstein that he wrote about when he was 30 years old and a graduate student getting us out of the index of mental disorders from the American Psychiatric Association. It's a very well-written uh, piece, and I highly recommend it, and that will be shared, shared with you. 
But tell us about Howard Bragman, uh, Mary. Well, Howard Bragman, interestingly, I had a little bit of interaction with him when I was working at Curve Magazine. He was one of the really high-level publicists and crisis management uh, folks who he was just so wonderful to deal with. He always so, so polite, so kind, and he had such a good energy. And uh, we did at Curve Magazine work with Howard and Shelley Wright on her coming out. Um, and he understood... What's that? He's she's the country singer, Shelley. I Wright. think. Yeah, yeah Shelley, Shelley Wright's a country singer, and that was also very, very, very touchy for her to come out because most of her fans are not gay. So this was very delicate, and he knew it had to be handled delicately because it also involved her mental health, her career, and he was just the guy to do it. He was such a mensch, and his his uh, his death is a real shock to me. Yeah. Uh, we didn't have any warning. I certainly didn't hear anything about it. I didn't even know he was ill. But he's definitely, as somebody who's worked in the media for 25 years, uh, somebody like Howard Bragman is a real lot, I think. Well, he was only 66. I say that because I'm 69. Uh, and he was only diagnosed with leukemia two weeks ago. Two weeks ago. So this was this was as sudden to him as it was to the rest of us. Now, you know, he advised several celebrities on their coming out besides Shelley Wright, Meredith Baxter, NFL player Michael Sam, WNBA Cheryl Swopes, golfer Rosie Jones, former NFL player Isera Tuolo, uh, but he also uh, represented Sharon Osbourne, Monica Lewinsky, Stevie Wonder, Chaz Bono, uh, among many, many others. And, and Ch Ch yeah. Chaz was really important. One of the, Chaz is really one of the first transgender celebrities. And again, that took a lot of uh, expert handling and storytelling because nobody had really seen a trans man before. Right. Uh, so I, lo I loved Howard because he understood the power of media to tell people's stories in a relatable way. Uh, so, yes, such a loss. And uh, his family is going to establish a coming out fund in his name because coming out was his big thing. Uh, for, for you and for everybody else. Uh, and it's going to be at the University of Michigan, which I believe is his alma mater. All right. And then uh, in, in Brooklyn, a 19-year-old gay man was found shot to death with significant burns on February 17th, DeAndre Matthews. Uh, the family believes he may have been the victim of a hate crime. He was last seen by his mother, on February 6th, leaving for his job, uh, took her, you know, using her car. And uh, whoever did this to him also set fire to the car at a separate location. Um, he had two jobs. He was a very, you know, I mean, he, uh, the car was found ablaze. On, uh, he, was, he was found on freight tracks. It's an awful story. And as mom said, her son came out several years ago, but no suspects have been arrested. Mm -hmm. And then some justice. I find uh, it very. Very what? Oh, I'm just thinking they're, they're going to find the, they're, they're going to have to find a suspect because uh, this young, young man was active online. And I, I have no doubt that there'll be a digital trail, hopefully leading to the suspect. But it, it was, it was heartbreaking to hear the mother um, so upset because uh, well, not knowing what's happened to her son is just. And when you're when you've got a mother seeking justice, you, uh, you get it more often than not. 
in Louisiana, a 19-year-old, Chance Seneca, we told you about the story, inspired by, was inspired by Jeffrey Donner, Dahmer, and he lured a gay man who was 18 years old to his home to kill and eat him. And leaving, but he ended up leaving the guy in a coma for three days. But then he like called the police and said, "I killed somebody," and he lured him using grinder. Um, he, the victim uh, by the name of White, survived. Holden White survived his injuries, but they were very severe. And Seneca uh, uh, has been sentenced to forty-five years in a federal prison for kidnapping and attempted murder. Horrible story. I mean, mind-boggling. I wonder what I wonder what. Marin, take us to Australia. Oh, we're going to Australia. International news. So there's two Australian stories, isn't there? I should uh, jump on both well, of them at once. Well, first, first of all, Prime Minister is up to Anthony Albanese. Yeah. I, I will. Anthony Albanese, uh, he is a very long-serving politician, left-leaning. He has uh, finally, he, he kind of is the, the guy that we used to pass over and never vote in. Well, now we voted him in and he is actually our leader. And uh, he's he's really doing some great stuff down in Australia, especially for Indigenous people and the LGBTQ community. As you might know, Sydney is hosting World Pride this year uh, and it is bundling that huge spectacle in with the annual Gay and Lesbian Mardi Gras in Sydney, and Anthony will be the first sitting Prime Minister to march in the parade ever. Now, Malcolm Turnbull went to the event, and he was conservative, right? But he didn't Yeah, he was. he was. Yeah, he was very much in the Bloomberg mold. You know, he was that kind of guy, a bit of a silver tail, moderate, but, but not left. And uh, yeah, no, he was part of it, but didn't march. And Anthony will be, Albanese will be actually marching. Uh, he's a real kind of do-it kind of guy, which is, is, is good to see. We have another Aussie story and as well. Be, and he's going to hold it. Before you leave him, he's going to be joined by Penny Wong, his foreign affairs minister, who's the first out yes. lesbian in parliament. Is that possible? First out lesbian in parliament. Um, I, think, I think so, yeah. And Albanese paid tribute to the protesters who marched for gay rights in 1978, many of whom were arrested at the first Sydney parade which was dispersed by the police. And he also urged our communities to support yes. the campaign to change the constitution to give indigenous people a voice in the parliament. Exactly. And and that 78, we call them the 78ers. They're our Stonewall, our version of Stonewall, because back in the day in Australia, everything in Australia happened about 10 years after the US had it. So, you know, you mm -hmm. had Stonewall in the late 60s. We had ours in the late 70s. So. Okay. <laughs> and then uh, the other uh, Australian story. <laughs> Maybe I should do this. The the out the out gay Aussie Olympic gold medalist in 2008, Matthew Mitchum. There he is yes. with his uh, with his husband, who's an adult film star, Luke Rutherford. He 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 won the gold medal in 2008. He's joined OnlyFans with his um, you know, that platform. Uh, his husband is Mr. Male Massage on that film. Matthew just celebrated seven years of sobriety. It says he's the happiest and healthiest he's ever been. He volunteered uh, with a group called Controlling Chemsex, supporting people who use drugs to enhance sex. And on OnlyFans, he said he won't be performing any sex acts, but he will be showing more than he would normally on social media. 
Matthew Mitchell. Yeah, I, I feel for him because I feel for him because he was such a poster boy. He was very historic in his achievements, but he had this massive high from winning and he, he fell into drug and alcohol abuse because he couldn't cope with the come down after the Olympics were all over and the winning was over. He, he fell into that, that trap. And uh, uh, I feel very lucky sometimes that he survived because it looked like he mightn't at a, at a, at a time then. Uh, so anyway, he's it come out the other side now. and It looks as if he stayed in shape all these years. He stayed in shape. Yeah. Yeah. All right. The Church of England is exploring gender-neutral language to refer to their God instead of he or our father. The church now the church did vote to let priests bless same-sex marriages and civil partnerships while continuing to ban church weddings for same-sex couples. The vote included an apology for the church's failure to welcome LGBTQ people. It also endorsed the doctrine that marriage is between a man and a woman. A uh, gay rights campaigner and member of the Synod, Jane Oz, Ozane, Ozane, called the uh, semi-measure an insult. In Hungary, the high court has now blocked new applications from transgender people for legal gender recognition. You can't even change. Um, in 2020, the parliament passed a law banning trans or intersex people from legally changing their genders. In 2021, court ruled it does not apply retroactively, uh, but applications after the law were enacted can now be rejected. The Hungarian LGBT group is appealing to the European Court of Human Rights. You know, Hungary wants to be part of Europe, but they keep doing all these right-wing things. Yep. All right. Not going to happen. Uh, Sri Lanka, the government said it supports a bill decriminalizing same-sex relations. They emphasize we're not legalizing same-sex marriage, but we're not going to lock you up. We're doing the deed. That's what yeah. they're there. Yeah. And t- tell us about the Czech soccer star, please. Yes. Ch- Czech soccer star Jakub Jankto has come out. He's the Czech Republic's midfielder, and he did it on social media. He posted a video on Monday saying he's gay. It's Twitter, I believe. And um, he is now in a very elite group of high-profile male soccer players that have come out. The video had him saying, I'm homosexual and I no longer want to hide myself like everyone else. I want to live my life with freedom, without fear, without violence, without prejudices, but with love. And uh, Sparta Prague's official Twitter account has come out in support. And uh, he says, you have our support. Live your life, Jacob, the club added. So well done. So, yeah, I mean, it's considered quite a breakthrough. They're saying he's the first active international men's player to announce that he is gay. Uh, There have been others in the past, uh, but um, like uh, Josh Cavolo in Australia. And uh, yes, um, but he's gotten a lot of support from from his past teams, from the European governing body, the union. Everybody says, good on you. All right. (laughs) All right. Shall we move to uh, AIDS news? Yes. It's very sad news. Uh, From Oceana, Oceana, California. Uh, The co-producers of the ACT UP LA Oral History Project, a couple, Mary Lucy and Nancy McNeil, died within hours of each other of health-related causes on February 11th. 
they these women joined Act Up LA in 1990 to draw attention to the plight of women with AIDS in prison. Uh, they, they worked with the Women's Caucus. Their activism led to the first compassionate release of an inmate with AIDS, uh, Judy Cagle. McNeil was active in the Lavender Left in the 1980s. Nancy was the founding executive director of Women Alive, an organization of 500 HIV-positive women. Um, she uh, um, was the, uh, uh, the uh, first executive director of the National Women's AIDS Hotline. Mary was an out and proud lesbian and among the first HIV positive women to be out about their status in LA. Together, they fought to expand the CDC's definition of AIDS to include women's opportunistic infections. In 1994, Lucy worked as the first city AIDS coordinator and got needle exchange in LA. And even unto death, Lucy said, where is our vaccine? Where is our cure? And why on earth are people still getting infected? So. They were, they were groundbreakers in so many ways, and they went within hours of each other, a, a very uh, mm-hmm. wonderful activist couple. Yes. Okay. Shall we, we've got about 10 minutes left. What about some entertainment news? Uh, you you uh, read something. Talk about Planet Sex. Oh yes, there's a uh, a uh, now I haven't seen it yet myself, but I've seen parts of it. But we, it is a, a series on Hulu, and it, it's kind of like a global investigation of all different ideas of gender expression and identification and sexual orientation. And it's hosted by Cara Delevingne, who is the, as you know, the British. I think we can call her a supermodel slash actress slash uh, at some point it girl. And, and we've, we in the media have been watching Kara over the years because she quite, you know, bravely came out in 2015. I think that was part of being involved with the pop star St. Vincent. And she's always said before it became truly fashionable that she was gender fluid and uh, queer and uh, she also claimed that Harvey Weinstein sexually harassed her and offered he wanted a threesome with somebody else in exchange for giving her a role in movies and all of this stuff. So she's she's been one to watch. But the tabloids have been covering her recently as being troubled and possibly having some kind of uh, mental health issue or substance abuse issue. So I was very happy to see that she gave an exclusive interview with Variety talking about LGBTQ uh, activism and the community. And she said some good things, Andy, that I think go beyond the usual celebrity lip service that we often hear. Um, yeah, but she, she says, uh, that, she say? uh, being a, well, yes. Uh, she said that um, she felt a lot of shame around her queerness when she, when she came out and uh, she looked to the LGBT community as, as a home and as a safe space, which I think is, is terrific. Uh, she says that any person who's queer has gone through a period of shame or at least not understanding who they are and feeling like they don't belong. That's something I've always felt. Um, doing, doing the show, uh, Planet Sex, has opened her up to a lot of thoughts. So she says, while I was always queer, I lived a very straight lifestyle. I wasn't being part of the community as much as I wanted to be. Advocating is one thing, but being a part of the community and enjoying and celebrating your own queerness is different. I feel like I did that for the first time, and it was amazing. 
so that's that's wonderful. And I, I just think that it's nice to feel that we're still relevant as a place for people who are growing and coming out, even if they are, you know, high-flying celebrities who who can kind of live this this double life. So yeah. Congratulations. I'll have to check out Planet Sex yeah. on Hulu. Do you follow the Brit Awards? I don't particularly, but did you read what happened this week? I did. I had a quick look. I noticed that they do have a category. I noticed that a lot of straight people have been nominated. I saw that Rod Stewart has, has been nominated and um, Harry Styles. I don't know, though, where Harry Styles is on the spectrum, but um it seems to me that the organisers have said this year they really do want to throw a bone to, to straight allies for helping our community and standing well, that, by us in a the, difficult time. The news is they went gender neutral on the categories. We've mentioned this on the show. Anne has qualms about it and has expressed them. They've dumped the male and the female categories, mm. acknowledging that artists such as Sam Smith are non-binary. Where are we going to put them? You know, So... This year's short right. list of artists for Artist of the Year were all men, only men. And Harry Styles won. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. Along with, he also won three other awards, including Album of the Year. Now, Rhina Soyama, who was nominated for Best New Artist, said, the conversation on gender always has to be progressive but she thinks uh it and it's good to be gender neutral but she said it's a bad decision to reduce the number of nominees in other words when you had men and women you had 10 nominees now you've got five nominees in one gender neutral category so she says the solution is more nominees and that would solve the problem she thinks I mean, we had the same problem in Australia with the Sydney Theatre Awards that went gender neutral for the first time in in a ever. And again, uh, we had a, a, a. For me, the problem is a lack of category. I actually think you need more categories, and they don't have to be based around gender. I think we can think laterally because the thing is, if you're going to be handing out awards for anything, um, to just say that there's one one best ever is very monotheistic to me it's very monolithic and it would seem to me that the whole point of this evolution of our culture is to stop monolithic anythings to stop crowning something as godlike and best you know so why not actually instead of having if you're going to break the binary then have really have a plurality have have more categories is what i would be doing because one year you're going to have just men win or just women win or just non-binary people win and every other kind of shade will have been pushed to the side. I, I think it's really a bit, we're not quite there yet. Well, obviously most of, the, most of the shows, they nominate five people in each category and you look at all their faces and four of them lose and one of them wins. And this is what people watch. Uh, but it's, you know, it's been condemned by George <laughs> and Scott and others who say it's a cattle show. This is, artists shouldn't compete against each other. There are award shows where they just hand out awards to people who gave great performances this year. But again, who decides that? And there's no nominees. They just hand out awards for great performances of the year, and they honor them. Uh, would people tune into a show like that? I don't know. People Do people like watching people lose? Is that why people watch these award shows? I have to vote well, for the well, SAG yes. Awards for the SAG Awards. And, you know, it's, it's, it's tough to pick. 
Look, to me, it's all like the Hunger Games. I think we absolutely do enjoy uh, people people losing. Uh, and this is where the form was invented. The form was invented in the Roman Colosseum. It's kind of like, you know, uh, it, it is, there is some kind of uh, suffering involved. Uh, so well, I think we need to basically rethink the paradigm is what we have to do. All right. We have uh, two minutes, two and a half minutes left. I, I want to go out, uh, unless you have something else, recommending a couple of art shows. They're in New York. I apologize. But, you know, if you get if you get to town, you have until October 1st to get to the Met Museum and see the extraordinary photographic murals of Richard Avedon from 1968. There's one of the Andy Warhol factory. I can't show you the whole uh, second half of this mural. These are huge murals. There's Andy and Joe D'Alessandro and and uh, and others. Um, uh, right across from that are the architects of the Vietnam War in 1968. These are the people who work for the United States and South Vietnam, uh, you know, destroying that country. And so there's that. And then there's another. The third one is the Chicago Seven. Uh, these are, you know, Jerry Rubin, Tom Hayden, all those cats. Uh, they didn't have much to do with each other until they all got arrested at the Chicago Democratic Demo- Democratic National Convention, and there they there they are as well. These are these are most impressive works of works of art, and there there are other pictures there of Avedon himself, of uh, wow. Marian Anderson, of uh, others. Uh, so. Uh, do check that. It's not a huge show, but it's uh, it's it's an impressive one at the Met Museum, and then at the Clamp Gallery in New York, which is at 247 West 29th Street. Three contemporary gay artists: Zachary Logan. Well, this one is by Eric Rhine. Uh, they're all gay. Uh, Eric Rhine, uh, Zachary Logan, and uh, Adam Liam Rose. Uh, that's just a gallery show. Uh, these things are on display. Uh, until the, uh, I believe it's March the 4th. Uh, they're open Tuesday through Saturday, 10 to 6, down to the last 30 seconds. And Lehman College in the Bronx has opened an exhibit called Queer Love at their art gallery through April 28th. This one is uh, a lesbian-themed one, and it's opening at La Mama at uh, galleries in the East Village on February 18th, and that'll be through April 6th. So, The art world is openly embracing, and we are out of time.